Hi, welcome back. I'm Bill. I'm Joe. And uh, this week, Silva still isn't back with us because uh, he was in a burrito eating contest. The good news is he won a burrito eating contest. The bad news is he won a burrito eating contest. Yep. He was uh, taken to the hospital. There was only one survivor. And that was him. Anywho. Alright, um... So today... We are comparing... Psalm 1... To Joshua 1.8. It's gonna be a... A bit of a shorter episode today. I think last week's was... About an hour and a half. This one's gonna be significantly... Faster, but... That hour and a half took, uh... About a month. Yeah, about that. Because we had to fail and then we had to plan. And we've only had about a week since the last one dropped. And we're, we've got another probably larger one in the works, but we're going to need a little more preparation time. So in the meantime, we're going to look at a, just a couple of bits in the Old Testament. Yep. That have some striking parallels. Yep. And if you stick around to the end, we're going to tell you what uh, the big uh, months and months long project is going to be starting after this one. So uh, I guess you'll have to uh, catch that exclusive info at the end for everybody on the edge of their seat just waiting to hear our releases. That will be in our paid subscribers only section if we had any paid subscribers. Since we don't, we'll just put it at the very end for anyone who wants it. Yep. All right. Uh, we start with Joshua Psalms. Start with Psalm 1. All right. Um, I'm going to read this in the New American Standard translation, if I can hit the right button. There we are. It says, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. And then we're going to flip over to Joshua chapter 1, and we're just reading verse 8 today. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So there are a lot of similarities. Keep Joshua up on yours. Keep Joshua up on mine. Okay. I'll I'll have have Psalms up. All right. I lost it. I had it. I lost it. There it is. So there are a lot of similarities between these two passages. um, But... The first and the probably the most obvious is that both of them spell out the recipe for success. 
Psalm 1 starts out with, How blessed is the man. Joshua 1.8 ends with, For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have success. So these are the clear instructions for anyone who wants to be blessed by God with prosperity and success. And we want to make a, a big parenthetical here and say that God defines what is prosperous, what is successful. We do not get to define what we think this should mean. We do not get to say that prosperity and success means health and wealth in this world. He knows what is best for us. He knows what will be ultimately satisfying. And yes, there is an element where we will be prosperous and successful on the, in this world, but that is not necessarily with health and money. It might be, might not. Um, Romans makes it clear that when all things work together for the good of those who love God, that good is that they be conformed into the image of Jesus Christ. Um, but we, I mean, the only thing I could add to that is, unlike what the prosperity gospel says, God's entire plan is getting you ready for eternity. Like the life that we live now is so short. Like one of these days, you know, you're going to be celebrating your, you know, uh, 1.5 millionth birthday. And, uh, you know, you're going to think about the 80 years that you were on Earth, 80, 85 years average if you're in America. And you're going to think, man, I thought that time was so important. I thought that temporary happiness was so important. So just remember all y'all who are going through stuff, still being faithful, that, that God's plan for you is the long game, not the short game. Jesus' plan, he had his, his eyes set to eternity, which is how he endured everything that he did. You know, he was tired, he was, he was probably exhausted all the time, probably didn't, people just bothering him day and night, you know. Uh, I would imagine that Jesus was probably the hardest working uh, person ever walked the earth. Most likely. Because there was also a spiritual element I'm sure we will never understand. Because, you know, he was tempted, never gave in. But, sorry, tangent. So anyway, that's a parenthetical. That's an important parenthetical, but, you know, it is not the main focus for this episode. We may have more episodes later that look more at the blessings that are promised. But for now, we're looking at how do we get those blessings. And Psalm 1 starts with a bunch of do nots, three to be precise. Do not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Do not stand in the way of sinners. Do not sit in the seat of scoffers or mockers. So it, the point is, whatever you're doing, if you're walking, if you're running, if you're sitting, if you're standing, if you're jumping, if you're playing, whatever you're doing in your life, whatever your posture, 
do not do it in the way of the wicked. Whatever you're doing, you know, it, I think it's First uh, Corinthians says, whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. There is to be no part of our lives, whether we're at work and, you know, get doing a lot of productivity, whether we're at home in bed preparing to go to sleep, there's to be no part of our life where we are in the, po the posture or traveling the path of wickedness and mocking God. Yeah, I mean... And uh, I was just kind of, kind of thinking that it, it seems that the the fork in the road here comes to whether or not you are constantly, you know, meditating on God's word. Because you see, you have one path that leads to righteousness and prosperity, and then the other path, it'll fork, you know, several times. I mean, for right here we see. Uh, counsel the wicked, the way of sinners, the seat of scoffers. That's three negative traits, and you know you're going to end up in one. You know, going down one of those paths if you're not constantly focused on God's word. And that they'll mix. You know, there there are wicked sinners and sinning scoffers and wicked scoffers. But yeah, the whether or not you are prosperous in this case you know prospering in the way that it is good for you for eternity you know not sinning walking in righteousness uh for us on this side of uh history storing up treasure in heaven because you know part of what joshua was talking about was the 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 mosaic covenant promises which was a, a lot of uh, material wealth that they gave up to worship idols, but I got lost. <laughs> Sorry. Um, but no, so if you're not constantly applying God's word to the situations that you come up to, you, that you encounter, then, you know, either his wisdom, the righteousness, you know, what have you, then you're going to end up sinning in some way. You're going to end up in a place that you don't want to be, you know, ultimately, if you were one of God's children, and you're going to regret it. Which is a, a perfect segue into the next point, because many places in the Scripture you have the deeds of wickedness contrasted with the deeds of righteousness. Don't do this, but instead do this. Let him who steals steal no more. Rather, let him labor working with his hands. But that's not the pattern in these two verses. In Psalm 1, the contrast is the one who stands, walks, and sits in wickedness is contrasted with the one who delights in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. The point here is not what you're doing, but what you're thinking about, what you're loving, what your mind is dwelling on. And down in verse 6, the one who meditates on the word of God is called a righteous man. It says, the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Which was what 
brought Joshua 1.8 into this because that, that verse, I'm going to read it again. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. And like Bill said, that was that law was the law of Moses handed down on the mountain. Um, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. We will never be able to do righteousness if we are not constantly meditating on, dwelling on, thinking about the Word of God. And I'm going to take a brief moment to talk about this word meditate because it has a kind of a fascinating connotation. The, the word basically means to ruminate, to turn it over in your mind. And it's the same root word where we get the word ruminant, which for anyone who's not a biology person is the class of animals that has multiple stomachs and they will eat a meal and then throughout the course of the day over and over again, they will bring that meal back up from whatever stomach it's in, chew it over again, swallow it, digest it some more, and they will repeat this process over and over throughout the day. That's the picture here. To meditate on the Word of God is to take it in at the beginning of the day, to ingest it, if you will, to read it, to study it. But then throughout the day, you're bringing it back up, back into your mind. You're chewing it over. You're thinking on it. You're digesting it more and more throughout Slowly. your day. Slowly, yes, that's the key. Slowly, repeatedly dwelling on the you know what whichever passage of scripture you know is your focus for the day yep just like uh just like jacob wrestled with the lord all night you know he wrestled with god all night he, god wants you to be wrestling with his word not simply read it put it down forget it he wants you to constantly be going over it over and over again, understanding it in and out and up and down and looking at it, not like two-dimensionally, but three-dimensionally. He wants you to look at it from all angles. See, what's... I know the, the, the ruminating is, you know, where, where the word comes from, like you said, but I always, I always pick, picture it like, because of our sin nature, if we're not constantly going over the word over and over again. We're like um, like a piece of meat will just like dry out and you have to keep taking God's word and like, you know, rebasting the meat to keep it like nice and juicy. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we're going to dry out and turn into a piece of leather and then people will tell you you can't cook steak. Steak is supposed to be very juicy and hey. rare. A well-cooked steak is never well done. Yeah, so whatever imagery you have to use in your head, you know, you, you, you know, whether you want to picture it like a plant that needs water or a steak that needs, you know, to be recovered with the juices so it doesn't dry out or the animal, you know, regurgitating the food like a cow, you know, spitting it up, chewing it again, bringing it back down until finally it's fully digested. You know, it, it's really clear what you need to be doing. You need to be working against your sin nature 
and your our human tendency to forget and really make God's word a, a, a part of you. You know, really make it a, a habit. Just meditating on God's word needs to be a habit. It needs to be something you're always doing. And that's how you avoid making lots of mistakes. That yeah. If it's not if the word of God is not your continual repeated focus throughout the day, you won't be able to be careful to do according to all that is written in it. You know, Psalm one nineteen says, Your word I have hidden in my heart that I might not sin against you. The the purpose of Scripture for a believer, the purpose of meditating on Scripture is to give us a fighting chance to obey it. This is not, you know, some uh, optional thing. This isn't the icing on the cake. This is the sword in battle. This is the only weapon we have against the forces of darkness and against our own sinful nature is this word. And God expects perfection, but we simply do not possess the ability to be perfect. So as a way not to drop, you know, any of these pieces on the ground, we kind of just have to keep juggling them, you know, keep them up in the air, keep it, uh, keep them moving. Going back to the text, looking at verse three, it says, he will be like a stream firmly planted, excuse me, backing up. He will be like a tree, firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. So the, the picture here is, you know, the tree that's planted right by the riverbank is not dependent on the rain. It's not dependent on, you know, some gardener coming out and watering it. The tree that's planted by the riverbank will always have all the water it needs. It will be a rich, vibrant plant with plenty of growth, plenty of fruit. It will have everything it needs to produce the fruit that God designed it to. The Christian who continually meditates on the Word of God will have everything they need to produce the fruit of the Spirit in their lives. They will have all of the resources to be the fruitful believer that God designed them to be. And remember, fruitful, uh, while we're here, we're definitely going to need to go over, you know, the misconceptions of the prosperity gospel at some point, but spiritual fruit isn't always something that you can see. You know, um, some of the most faithful people don't have world-wide ministries. Remember, God, if you're faithful in whatever he gives you, you know, that's the faithfulness God is looking for. Some of us, he gives a little. Some of us, he gives a whole lot. But, you know, the, the producing fruit is not based on some sort of um, metric that people can see, like amount of people's baptized or amount of sermons preached or something like that yeah the, the fruit here in psalm one is i believe the fruit of the spirit as listed in galatians 5 that is love 
joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are habits of living. These are internal attributes that shine out. These are not material possessions gained and enjoyed. Mm -hmm. But then verse 4, the immediate contrast, it says, The wicked are not so, but they are like chaff which the wind drives away. So back in the ancient world, before they had tractors and combines and large farm equipment, when they harvested the wheat, they would take it, pile it up, and they would beat it with basically giant sticks. And then the, the chaff, which is the, the various husks and other bits that were not good food, were lightweight, they were dry, they were dead, just bits of fiber and so forth that would blow away in the light breeze, and all that would be left would be the the good food, the wheat that could be ground into flour. So the, the, the clear contrast here is between the healthy tree with, a, with deep roots by a river versus the light, dry, dead fluff that blows away at the threshing floor. Yep. And then it says, Therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous, which is... It, Pretty straightforward. The people who live their life not by the word of God, those who sit, stand, and walk in the way of wickedness, will not be able to stand in the final day when the Lord, the righteous judge, judges the living and the dead. It says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous. This is as is so often the case in Scripture, more than an intellectual awareness. This is a deep personal knowledge. The Lord knows the way of the righteous because it is His way. He created it. He walks it perfectly. He guides us along it through His Word. The Lord intimately, personally knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Yes. And again, the, the whole point of this chapter and then of uh, Joshua 1 verse 8, if you want to be blessed by God, if you want an eternity of happiness and joy, if you want to maximize your rewards in heaven, the way to do that is first and foremost to meditate on the word of God, to dwell on it day and night to love it, to read it, to cherish it, to study it. And again, not just a casual reading and then put it away. And the reason for that is largely because so many passages of the Bible can be hard to understand. <laughs> I always find it amusing and comforting both that Peter talked about Paul's letters as being difficult to understand. The apostle himself had trouble figuring out what Paul was writing about at times. And that is one of the biggest reasons why there is so much controversy in the church today is because there are so many passages that are difficult to properly interpret. And the only way to know what this passage is really saying is to 
dwell on it, to study it, to pay attention to the grammar, to, you know, you, you don't have to be a Greek scholar these days to be able to look at the original language. There are free tools online that you can use that will show you the Greek word and its definition and other places it's used in the Bible. And you can really dig into what was this author saying. But by far the most important principle when you're trying to interpret any passage of scripture is to look at it in the context of every other piece of the Bible. The Bible is the word of God and it will never contradict itself. And so if you're looking at two passages and they appear to contradict each other, then you are interpreting at least one of those passages incorrectly, maybe both of them. And so it's, you have to be constantly thinking about different passages and turning them over in your mind and saying, how does this fit with that? How does my belief about this doctrine of theology that I see so clearly in this chapter and verse, does that, does that belief coincide with? Does that, you know, is that supported by this other passage? I think it is important for every believer throughout their lives to be continually attempting to refine their theology by studying the word and by saying, okay, what do I believe that is contrary to scripture? Because it's hard. But the result will be that we will be able to do according to what is written in it and we will be prosperous and we will be successful for eternity. Yeah, add to that. Uh, anyway, we told you it was going to be a short episode. Um, and we told you that we would probably be jumping into a more in-depth series coming up. Is it time for the big reveal? <gasps> yeah, we're going to cover the Reformation. Yeah, we're going to try and look at... We're going to... Hopefully, if we can get our, enough research done in time, our next episode is going to look over at a very high altitude overview of church history from starting in the New Testament and going up through the Reformation and the councils and encyclicals that were released in response to the Reformation. And we're going to... I guess disclaimer is in order. Bill and I are both Protestant. We're both uh, in the of the Reformed Baptist persuasion. And so that will probably come out. We will be covering the Reformation from a Protestant viewpoint. Ultimately, uh, we're going to be explaining the five solas. Ultimately, yes. But are, we are going to be doing the best we can to try to accurately represent both sides of the discussion. We're, go we're going to be looking at the writings and the teachings from both sides of the debate. We're going to try to give an accurate summary. And then, yeah, we're going to briefly touch on the five solas at the end of that episode and then probably take one week per sola to really look into it and say... What did this mean historically? What does this mean today? How did the Catholic Church respond to it? What are the contrasting viewpoints? 
why did it come about? Why did this? Why was this one of the key issues? Where do we see it in scripture? Yes. We're going to basically take several weeks to try to dig into that piece of history and then move on from there. So it's going to be a large project because, as we said, we're going to try to lovingly and accurately represent both sides historically. Um, and if we happen to have any Catholics who are listening, we would definitely welcome input. You know, if we say something that is not correct, if we misrepresent the Catholic viewpoint, we apologize in advance. It is not intentional, but please email us, let us know so that we can come in in a future episode and say, hey, we were wrong. Because this is a very large topic and uh we're gonna do our best but neither one of us is perfect yeah well I, i'm not bill might be i haven't i haven't figured that out yet but i'm definitely not perfect no um anyway that email is askretch at pm.me that's a-s-k-w-r-e-t-c-h at pm.me and um who prayed last time Yes, doesn't matter. All right. God in heaven, thank you for another day to, even in our small and flawed ways, proclaim your word, to spread about knowledge of the Bible and what you would have us do. God in heaven, we're very thankful to be living in a time where we don't have to travel hundreds of miles on foot to deliver the gospel to people that we can, through technology, get to the farthest reaches of the world with a click of a button. Thank you for everything that you do in our lives, for the personal growth that you give us daily. And please, God, if anybody hears us, hears the gospel uh, through us, that you would reach out to them and that their eyes would be open and they would see you for who you are. In Christ Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, later. All right, off to lunch. What do you think we should get? Tacos. Yeah. Tacos. <laughs>